Welcome everyone to another Community of Culture podcast. This time we're changing it up a little bit. We're going to give our female audience something to kind of talk about, chat about. Uh, This is the feminist perspective. And today with me, I have Amani McGarrell and Aubrey Iverson. How are you guys? How are you ladies doing today? (laughs) Excuse me. We're good. Thanks. Fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, These two work for uh, the University Star. Aubrey Iverson is our trends reporter, and she is our promotions coordinator here at the University Star. And Amani McGarrell is our opinions editor. So she's in charge of everyone that has good views, bad views, negative views, positive views on life. So uh, speaking of views, this is the feminist perspective. We've done the black perspective. We've done the gay perspective. Now we're going to talk about feminist issues and uh, what's going on. But before we do that, we're going to kind of give a brief intro of kind of what feminism is, analysis of it, you know, the criticisms of feminism and the things that come with it, you know, the viewpoints, um, you know, when it comes to equal pay. Women are the minority. Some of the things that we're going to talk about in, in later episodes. And I kind of just wanted to get you guys' takes on, you know, What's feminism to you guys? What do you guys describe feminism? And what's the good and bad that comes with that word? Um, okay. Well, I think especially in like today's like society, feminism gets like a bad rep because people think of, you know, like men hating, bra burning, like very radical um what's the term? Feminazis, you know, and I think the basic tenet of feminism is just says that men and women are equal. Like, that's it. And especially, like, the liberal feminism of today is geared towards, um, like, specific, like, gender inequality and, like, the workplace and stuff. But, um, yeah, that's basically it. It's not, like a, like, a really crazy thing that happens. I think it just gets a bad rep because people associate it with thing that it's, things that it's not really a lot of the time. I would have to agree. I think it's uh, I think it's mostly about uh, equality, and I think even you know um, when you tell someone that you're a feminist or or that uh, you see yourself as a feminist, you know people usually uh, react poorly to that. At mm-hmm. least in my experience, and um, you know I feel like part of that is uh, they they see it narrowly because of the way it's been defined in the mm-hmm. past, um, and I think that's part of what the uh, the newer um, feminists have been trying to to change up a little bit is, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, we want to serve in the military. We want to be in combat. It's not just about equal pay anymore. It's not about, um, you know, burning our bras. It's uh, it's across the board. It's about at home, at work, at play, everywhere. You know, we just want, um, you know, everybody to be grouped in together. You know, we want to hang with the guys. We want to hang with the girls, too. Um, you know, and we don't we don't feel like we need to be um, treated any differently. So it's that simple. Yeah. And also it like, like you said, like it's the, um, like this wave of feminism, like it, it says, yes, we've come a long way. Yes. When we've gotten, you know, all these privileges and rights that we didn't have before, like, and it's like a very small portion that we're focusing on now. It's not such a broad, like we want this, this and this type of situation. So I think that's important also um, to note. Yeah, you guys are talking about, um, uh, you know, defining it or whatever. But I know for you guys as in every community, as we talked about in the black perspective and the gay perspective, there are some butting heads. Mm-hmm. You know, for um, 
for you ladies, what do you think are some of the criticisms or some of the negative things that come with being a feminist that you see in your community specifically? Uh, well, at school, um, a, a couple of guys that I've dated uh, recently have, um, you know, as soon as they hear the word feminist, what immediately comes to mind to them is, uh, you know, like Imani said, feminazis, um, the, the girls who get upset when you give up their seat, the girls who get upset when you hold the door. Um, and there are certainly that are there are certainly women out there that still feel that way um mm-hmm. that are just really hardcore about it and there's people like that in any uh community that that are fighting for anything really um and i feel like that's a butting head in itself is um how strongly you feel about it uh, because there there are women that i would define as feminists that would never put that label on themselves mm-hmm. uh for fear of you know feminazi backlash yeah. if you will so i i feel like just um how strongly you feel about it is something that that divides us all so and i think with any of these kind of social justice issues there's going to be you know people who are perceived as taking it too far and being very nitpicky but um i think that's something that people take issue with but i also think that's kind of a good thing just because you know there needs to be people that are nitpicky and say you know i mean to a certain extent like i not as nitpicky as other people would be but I think um that's a lot of it where people take tasks you know um kind of I because I think with all of these kind of social justice issues people who don't get it who or who aren't into it are just kind of like well you know y'all y'all will never be pleased type of thing so I think that's a lot of the um headbutting that comes into play um besides what Aubrey said um varying levels of passion about the the topic and I think I think Imani's right. Um, she brings up there's always gonna be the the people that are really nitpicky about it, and I think we need them because uh, mm-hmm. I think without those nitpicky people, I, I don't think we would have a happy medium. Yeah, that we're reaching for. So. Yeah, and I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but you know, the title of this specific podcast is "Through the Generations." And Aubrey, you said something, and, and you and Imani, you alluded to a little bit. Do you think even in you know the feminist group, um, there's a generational gap between the older feminists and the newer feminists i don't know if i would say there's a generation gap i think there's there are subsections of feminism for example the black feminist movement is very different than the feminist movement in general um not very different but there um differences i don't know if it's i guess there could be a generation gap but i think that would be because there are what you know for example like our grandmothers um and um ancestors would have been like fighting for as far as feminism goes we've kind of made step towards already i think so there's a generation gap there but i don't know if it's like a huge vast difference you know what i mean i don't know mm-hmm. yeah i um i think i think for um the uh, I guess I'll call it the the minimalistic end of, of feminism um, that you know they play it cool they're they're really chill about it you know and they they might think that you know women deserve equal stuff but they don't really do much about it mm-hmm. I I think that's changed over the years maybe even more so than than the bra burners um, mm-hmm. I I've got a, a good friend of mine and um, I would say she's a feminist just because she's a strong woman um, but seeing 
her in comparison to our mothers and and she is a a very traditional girl um you know she's a she's wife me up kind of girl you Mm -hmm. know she wants to be a housewife and, and that's fine um but you know, she still wants to be able to do her own thing. And that's that's part of feminism in, in my point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that her mother disagrees with. Her, her mother disagrees with um, her and her fiancé living together before they're married. Um, you know, and I, for me, that's the generation gap, is that you can still have a problem with that um, because of the generation that you're from versus, you know, someone who doesn't describe themselves as a feminist still thinks it's, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It takes no argument with it whatsoever. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that part of what comes with that generation gap is the gender roles. You know, key trigger word there's housewife. You know, women being in the kitchen cooking or cleaning or taking the one taking the kids to school and doing more of the traditional things that women are supposed to do compared to you know what women are doing now you know owning your own tv network pretty much uh you know being as powerful as you can be in in acting or in the business world and things like that so with that said with gender roles what differences have you guys seen in the past what we're all like what 20 something years old Mm -hmm. but in your lifetime that you think that you've seen has improved and what do you think that still needs to be improved um well i think as far as gender roles before it was very like you said like the expectation was um you know women to be at home and be the people who um kind of took care of the home while they're husbands um were out working or whatever but i think the i don't i want i don't want to say that's gone now but i think it's more of women taking on more like you can still be you know a housewife and well not a housewife but like you know you can still be a provider and take care of your home and also have a career and um go to work and that sort of thing so i think that's something that's kind of evolved a little bit like you can still do all of those things but there's also room for you to do more i think but do you think that's putting too much on too much too many responsibilities on one's plate being the housewife being the pri- primary provider some would say but then still trying to be ambitious and still trying to get your let's say clothing line or your books out there or, or things that you're still trying to be ambitious with but still trying to be a housewife and still trying to take on those traditional roles cuz i think i've i've heard some people say that that might be a little bit too much you might be wearing your you might be wearing yourself a little bit thin trying to take care of a house which isn't a project in itself and then trying to create more projects and stuff like that well um i don't think so i think that's part of the the equality aspect of it because if you have a partner who is on the same page as you as far as y'all both having careers and also maintaining the household then i think it'll work out fine i think it's a different story if you're being the main caretaker of the house as well as a career um versus if you have someone who's kind of willing and ready to split that responsibility with you which I think is how it should be um so it can be much if you're one person doing it all but I mean I think that comes down to an individual level um because you know no one's forcing anyone to do any of these things if they want to I think where there's a will there's a way so I wouldn't say that it's putting too much um pressure on anyone yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a balancing act. I mean, that's that's kind of uh, what the buzz has been the last year, last couple of years is a work life balance. And um, I don't think that goes just for feminism. You know, I think that's for everyone. Um, 
you know, if uh, if you have a partner and you both want to be successful, you know, you both have to help each other out. You know, um, yeah. uh, the man, air quotes, man, or, um, you know, the, the career-oriented one in the household, um, you know, needs support, uh, but the, the person at home needs support, too. Uh, you know, it's like you said, uh, taking care of the house, especially if you've got kids and family, that's a, that's a full-time job, and even if you choose to do that, you're going to need a break every once in a while, and when you need that break, whether it's to pursue your career ambitions or whether it's to you know, just go on vacation and just get away for a little while. You have to have somebody who's willing to help you out in that, that's willing to take a break from what they've been doing to, to let you do what you need. Um, so I think uh, I think at least at home you just uh, you have to be open about it. You have to have that conversation with whoever your partner is and just uh, make sure those ideals line up, uh, hopefully, before you uh, get too far in. Do you think that um, households that have, for example, kids – and two parents both can do you think both of the parents can work and it'll be okay or do you think there should be even not not even necessarily like in a gender role since we're like the woman stays home but do you think um it should be like someone stays home and someone works or can they both kind of work and still have it work out well for for me my personal preference is um you know i don't, I don't like to cook mm-hmm. i don't like to clean you know i want um a partner that's um going to help me out with that because Mm -hmm. you know I do work a lot and I'm with you I would want to um, be able to be with someone where we both have careers and we both help out at home Mm -hmm. Um, but you know it's um, you know like I said it's a balance you know if you have someone that is career heavy then you have to have someone at home who's willing to be you know, a home heavy worker, it's it's not going to work out if um, if one person is focusing only on their career mm-hmm. and one person's trying to focus on everything at home, which, like we've said, is a career in itself because it really, really is. You know, one person trying to focus on that career and take on a second because mm-hmm. you can't work 60, 80, 100 hours a week while the other person's working 40, 50, 60. And that, that balance, that's not going to, you know, you're going to have a crack in the foundation if you don't, you know, resolve that in my mind yeah yeah my answer would be not in this economy uh, <laughs> yeah you, you both got to work in this economy <laughs> I think you both got to work I think from a, a guy's perspective um, you know I think it's great to know that your partner is just as ambitious as you are mm-hmm. because I think you know great thing that you learn with being with someone is that you know you need to share the same vision you need to share the same goal the same ambitious so ambitions excuse me so knowing that you know you have a girlfriend or a fiance or a wife um, that's going to have your back with doing your goals and knowing that vice versa they're going to have your back knowing that you want to write a book um, you want to be CEO of Fortune 500 company you want to be president God forbid don't ever wish that on my wife I don't, <laughs> don't want to be in the White House um, but you know goals like that that are very lofty knowing that it works both ways mm-hmm. I think it's a Attainable, I think it's achievable. Both my parents worked, and I feel like I've turned out fine for the most part. Um, so I think that's great. I think it shows too your kids eventually. There can be balance, you know. There's it's it's an equal type thing, you know. What I give, um, she can take, and whatever she gives, I can take. So it's you know it works both ways. There's great balance to it, and I think it shows. Um, great role model too as well to knowing that you know it can work and not trying to dominate the other person um you know i think a lot of things is you know when i think of gender roles i think of balance you know i think of um you know 
I think of sacrifice as well. I think men, uh, men need to understand that, like, hey, everyone's in this to win this. You know, I don't think, um, I, I think a lot of men look at it as like, well, why do you have to do this if I'm doing this? Like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you're trying to achieve something to be great as well. You know, my, my thing that I've always looked at it is that like, as a guy, if you have a girl that's on your side, that's being ambitious, Hey, I'm, I'm being the limelight too. So, <laughs> you know, I get a piece of that too as well. You know, it, it works both ways. And I think sometimes, um, with gender roles, uh, it's very tricky, you know, because I think there's some opinions that a lot of people have that, um, you know, don't necessarily fit with what certain people want. But I think some people do have the right idea about it. You know, I know we talked about, um, you know, the biggest thing that right now that I know is a craze is like the man staying at home rather than the woman staying at home. And as a guy, you know, I've always thought that, like, if you could just provide for your family in one way or another, that's great. But as well, though, as a man, I still have an ego. I still feel like I need to provide in some bigger capacity than just being in the household and being a great dad and being loving and being like that. And I know for some people that's not their definition of being a provider, and I get that. But the way I grew up and the way that I see society as a whole, I just don't like because I think there's a fine line between being a provider for your household and being a house husband than being lazy. And I think a lot of people confuse house husbands for being providers when I think a lot of them are being lazy. Does that make sense to you guys? Well, and, um, you know, you talk about, um, you know, you're cool with helping out at home, but you still want to, you know, in a sense, be the man. You still want to feel like a provider. And there was a, a really great article, I think it was in Cosmopolitan a few months ago that I read, um, where a woman finally spoke up and finally said, you know, if you're going to have uh, the man, you know, completely reversing your roles, you've got to you know, you've still got to make him feel like a man. You've still got to do something for him. If you're going to be at work all the time and you're going to completely let him take over at home, you've still got to let him, you know, open the door for you. You've got to let him take you out on dates and you've got to, you know, say thank you. You know, you have to recognize that he's doing something for you and not, um, you know, be the traditional man, come home, kick off your shoes and watch TV. You know, you've you've still got to, in a sense, stroke his ego and, and let him know that you appreciate what he's doing because, um, you know, and I feel like it would go that way for a woman as well, you know, especially with uh, feminists with stay-at-home moms. Um, you know, you just have to let the other person in that relationship know that you appreciate what they're doing and you need to let them feel like, you know, they're contributing in other ways if they feel like they're not um, living up. And that's just a communication thing. You know, if if um, you were to stay at home and you, and you felt like you weren't doing enough, you know, you, you have to communicate that to her so that she, there's something that she can do, you know, and um, I certainly feel like that's part of her responsibility in the relationship is to make you feel like, like you're living up to it, you know, make you feel like she appreciates you, so. Mm, well, on the flip side of that, there are people who are going to say, you know, well, why should I be catering to a uh, uh, ego sort of thing um so I think I don't know I I don't disagree with what you guys are saying um because I think part of that is just being a human being that's trying to have a good relationship with someone you know and like showing appreciation is important so um I, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying I think um for any sort of 
relationship that you and your partner settle on, you know, there's going to be, there needs to be appreciation for what's being done. So I think regardless of, you know, if y'all are both feminists or what the case may be, there needs to be communication there. So I think, I, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. I think you have good points. I think it goes back to the balance thing again. Yeah. I don't think the the, uh, the the ego stigma is different for both. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of struggle with it a little bit is that I think sometimes the ego for a male is that I think everyone thinks that males need to be the alpha dog so that way their ego could be kept in check. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. I think sometimes it's just the fact that like, hey, like, I still want to be involved. I think there's a new breed of men that understand that women are, are, are more ambitious than ever now. It's a new generation. It's 2014. And then there's some men that just need to get over it. Like, <laughs> they're here to stay. You know, women are very capable just like men are. Mm-hmm. But I think also as well, males just want to feel like they're still included. You know, they still want to be part of the process. Because I think in a household especially, you know, and we're um, – I think communication, like Aubrey's mentioned, uh, is key. You know, you just want to stay, you know, like there's a balance to it. Because women have egos too. Mm -hmm. It's just not the alpha dog type ego that males do, you know. I think with women, and obviously you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, it's more of an emotional ego, I feel like. Um, It's more like, you know, you need to, and and guys need to understand, like, you know, if you're going to be with this woman for the rest of your life or this is your girlfriend, you need to treat her like this is the number one woman in your life. You know, well, for me, other than my mom and my little sister, uh, <laughs> that, that's the exception. But, um, you know, you need to treat her to, to you know, take her, taking her out, uh, giving her compliments. Um, the flowers thing to me is very cliche, but, you know, flowers never hurt. Mm-hmm. Chocolate never hurts. You know, it never hurts for me. So if you feel free to give me chocolate, that's, you know, that's great too as well. But, um, you know, treating your woman accordingly and making her feel like, I hate to use this word, but a queen of some sort, you know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's the ego for a woman, you know, because I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of women need to be alpha dogs to know that they're hurt. I think women understand like, yo, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to get my words out. OK, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but for, for guys, I know there's a stigma out there. It's like, oh, we have to be top dog. And for some guys, there is. Like, I don't think all guys are like that but for me speaking for myself and some of my friends that I know I think it's just more like I just want to be heard I don't want to be cut off I do have an opinion Um, you might not agree with it but you know my opinion isn't coming from hate or feeling that you shouldn't be as equal to me it's just my opinion coming from this is how I grew up so educate me help Mm -hmm. me understand why it's like this and and where we need to go on from here Mm -hmm. and I think we keep using the word ego and I feel like there's connotation with that word uh, that makes the conversation a little difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way I see it, the you know, it's just like a woman needs to feel like a woman. If she's been at home caring for a baby and she's covered in, you know, um, you know, she's been changing diapers all day and cooking dinner and whatever, you know, after a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years of that, you know, she wants to get a pedicure and go out. You know, she wants she wants to go you know, do things that make her feel, you know, Shania Twain, like a woman, (laughs) you know, she wants to have a man that's going to take her out. And, um, you know, I say have a man and I I shouldn't be gender specific (laughs) because I try not to be. Um, But, you know, she wants somebody that's going to care for her and make her feel like she's special, you know, and and for a guy, that's, 
for me, that's what stroking the ego is about. It's making him feel like a man. It's making him feel special. The thing is, um, you know, Venus and Mars, it's different for guys, you know, so you just have to figure out what it is for that man specifically that's going to make him feel like a man. Maybe it is letting him be the one to pay the bills so he knows what's going on. You know, it's it's letting him take on a little bit of extra work to make him feel like it's better, even if it's not 50-50, you know, it's, it's about how it affects him, you know, from a woman's standpoint emotionally because you know that's that's what it is if you guys are going to get in a fight that's your emotions that are coming out Mm -hmm. you know because you haven't been communicating and you have to you have to let him do whatever it is that's going to make him feel like the man because some guys I mean if they cook me dinner it makes him feel like a man Mm -hmm. and I'm about that life you know (laughs) but for some guys it's taking you out and getting the valet to park your car and opening the door for you and swiping their credit card at dinner. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's different for every guy. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a lot of this, when you get down to it, just is people stuff, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all people and we all have basic human, basic human needs. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, we, People just want to feel like they're heard, especially in a relationship. You want to feel heard and appreciated, you know, um, regardless of the feminism aspect of it. So I think that's really what that aspect of it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Gender rules is definitely a, a big, big part of it. It's different facets. You know, we've talked about the relationship aspect, being in a household, just different things that you can delve del- into because, you know, like you mentioned the paying at dinner thing. Now, like, I feel like girls or women and obviously i'm speaking from a male's perspective you know not anybody else's but i think you know girls now they look they like paying for dinner you Mm -hmm. know they like paying for stuff they like buying gifts you know where i think maybe before it wasn't necessarily like that because it was a certain way but now that like roles have changed and you know different things have changed it's like yo i can do this too like you don't have to do it all the time which is really cool um i think it's cool that women are ambitious now you know um that you know they're wanting equal pay um you know not it's just i think it's like what 70 some cents to a dollar 77 you know, 77 mm-hmm. cents to a dollar mm-hmm. you know it's great that now more and more and, and guys are getting behind this you know you know why not you know what's what's the big deal there so um it's it's really cool it's really cool to see how um it's changed over um the generations but there's still things that still need to be worked on you know, there's still things that I still think that a lot of guys still believe that, hey, women need to be in the kitchen, period. You, mm-hmm. you should cook because I'm coming home from dinner, mm-hmm. which isn't true, you know, or you should be cleaning the house or you should be taking the kids to daycare or to elementary school. Or you should be part of the PTA or PTO or parent or teacher or whatever organization, um, you know, is in your community is still the woman's role or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's still things to work on and and hopefully like hopefully we can still work on those i think on both sides of the aisle i just don't think it's a one gender specific issue i think it's it has a lot of different communities and facets to it and i think one part of why the stigma is still there is hollywood i think the media you know we always talk about this in in some of the other podcasts i always bring up the question and i think it's it's so appropriate in every perspective you're talking about is the society reflect media or does the media reflect society and i think a big part of hollywood is sometimes there's a stigma of you know 
and some reality shows and stuff like that like you know the celebrity culture of showing you know a woman being ambitious but the way she got there might not be so kosher to how everybody perceives it you know thinking of certain celebrities you know so some guys might be like well okay all you got to do is be naked on the tv screen and bada bing bada boom you get your money you Mm -hmm. know but I just think that Hollywood has a big part to play in gender roles still because you still see women playing certain roles in movies where it's like they don't have to play that role anymore. Like it's not something that they need to play. It's just something that you just rather have because I think you're still insensitive to the fact that there can be bigger roles for them and stuff like that. Mm So, you know, I kind of just want to hear your take on how Hollywood can play a factor in in feminism and, and gender roles and things like that. Um. Well, I think there there have lately been a a, kind of like a string of uh, actresses who have because feminism is a hot topic right now, you know, and there'll be in interviews and people will they'll be asked, like, are you a feminist? And because they know the stigma, they're like, no, like, for example, Shailene Woodley, I think, um, recently was in an interview when they were like, are you a feminist? And she's like, no, I'm not a feminist because I like men like. And that just comes down to, you know, a misrepresentation of what feminism is and, you know, the awareness that there's this huge stigma and there's going to be, you know, I guess they feel like there's going to be a negative backlash from being like, yes, I am a feminist. On the flip side of that, you know, there are female musicians who have been, um, I think I read a a Huffington Post um, article today, actually, about, I think they called it like cool feminists um or something like that and like um what's her name i wrote down lily allen she made a song you know what i'm talking about lily allen oh man i like her (laughs) oh um she made a song or a video and it was basically like it's hard out here for a girl and she talks about you know um in the music industry specifically um having to have her body look a certain way and like i think she had just had like some kids and was like making her come back or something and everyone was like you know you're bigger blah blah blah. but even in her video um you know there was some objectification of women that was going on and then um also the Huffington Post article talked about JLo's recent video what's it like uh love you poppy I don't know it's really funny because in the video um it's her and her like backup dancer friends and they're talking about what the video is going to be with a director and they're like well you know men always objectify women in these videos we should do that and so the video and I think the thing with this JLo video especially that made it so successful is just because it was poking fun at it It was it wasn't you know so this is how this is and it stinks it was like it was just like a bunch of guys on like a I think it was like on a yacht and they're all like in um in speedos yeah and speedos <laughs> like you know like it was ridiculous and it was poking fun at it but um at the same time kind of showing like there is this separation between you know the objectification of women and male artist videos although i do take tasks with that video a little bit because then um french montana was featured in the song and then like the whole song was this like the whole video was them being like yeah like taking back the power and not like the backup dancers were featured and the whole thing but then the minute French Montana came in rapping, it was just like, never mind, go back to how it was. Like, uh, uh. but yeah, you know, I think um, there's there's a lot of things going on in Hollywood with that. So, but do you think sometimes too, like, 
I I get like, first of all, women are more objectified in music videos than males are. That's mm-hmm. just a fact. Like anyone that wants to say whatever, but males do get objectified in mm-hmm. music videos. Because guess what? We're the abusers. Yeah. We're the ones that are always breaking hearts. That's true. We're the That's ones true. that are always. Sometimes you gotta look. You gotta look sexy. You gotta mm-hmm. have the six pack. Can't have the keg. You know, <laughs> as they're always you know always joking about. Yeah. So I think, you know, there. It, I think it works both ways. I just think that sometimes, um, and that's why I love doing these things. I think it's an open forum where we can mm-hmm. discuss things like that. Is I think women see objectivity sometimes, or women getting objectified as just okay, you're naked on the thing, or or naked on a music video or whatever. But sometimes, like yo, I don't abuse women. Mm-hmm. I don't. I try not to break hearts. <laughs> you know, I don't think like I maliciously go out and seeking to break a woman's heart or whatever. Think you know things happen. You know, and I think sometimes it's it's not fair to guys sometimes when you know that's always happening in music videos or mm-hmm. in movies and stuff like that. You know, I think there's an unfair stigma with that too as well. You know, it's just it's just weird because I think sometimes some guys are afraid to speak up because I feel like they're just they think they might get shot down. But my thing is always if you come with facts about it and you bring it in a diplomatic way, I think people will hear you and be like, Oh, I never really thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, I mean, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood for a reason. You know, I think um, for me, um, you know, I feel like reasonable people are going to take rom-coms with a grain of salt. They're going to mm-hmm. take who's cast as, um, was it Divergent that we were talking about yesterday? And, you know, she was supposed to be olive-toned in the book and they Hunger hired... Hunger Games. Yeah, Hunger Games. Okay, yeah. And she was supposed to be olive-skinned and uh, they hired... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who is pretty pale skin, you know, mm-hmm. she's alabaster. Um, but, uh, you know, I think anybody reasonable is going to take that with a grain of salt, um, at least in my mind, because it's it's fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a movie. It's something written to entertain people. You know, for for me, it's not so much about Hollywood as much as it is about, um, you know, us as journalists and uh, the media at large and how we represent people. You know, that's that's what I look at, you know, and, you know, we talk about it in class and we talk about it a little bit at the paper too, you know, it's about what we choose to cover, you know, and uh, we're the ones who uh, largely in my mind influence a lot of what the public sees, you know, and I feel like uh, we're the ones that if we're going to not objectify women, if we're going to not objectify men, like Otis was saying, um, we have to kind of do a self-evaluation and and see what we're looking at because if we're constantly covering um you know things like who's lost weight who hasn't lost weight who got what what role you know and we're only covering um traditional stuff we're not covering new issues or issues that um in a sense pit men and women equally across the aisles you know I think that's something that we have to fix you know Hollywood I mean we can we can take and we can fix what's shown in theaters all we want you know air quotes on fix you know we can um, we can make it more equal but um, you know that's that's only gonna change people's perceptions just a little bit because I think we have done that a lot and especially with the new comedies coming out with with Seth Rogen and and Zac Efron and all that, you know, they, they feature a lot of strong female characters, Tina Fey and, and stuff like that. I think it is changing slowly, but, you know, I think it's about what 
journalists choose to cover that that influences it more than anything i think i think there's a respect issue too as well um you know for me you know what what i struggle with with hollywood and now the you know the reality age you know reality tv okay we go with the kardashians you have um la la's full court um and i want to take those two things and you know compare it uh, Beyonce is another one that I can think of is I think for guys when you think of Kim Kardashian there's a devalued appreciation for her because of the way that some people might have think that she rose to the top mm-hmm. but when you think of Lala Anthony who is very very popular um, you know uh, she used to be on one of six and park and obviously she's married to uh, Carmelo Anthony is she, is she the one on BET the Lala? No, she used to be, but she's okay. on VH. She's on VH1 now. Okay. She used to do I the show on BET with 106 and Park. Yeah. Okay. But she's married to Carmelo now, and she's very ambitious. You know, she's a very successful businesswoman. Beyonce as well, singing. You know, whatever. And I think that's where guys kind of, you know, you you look at the two that I'm mentioning, Lala and Beyonce, but then you think about Kim Kardashian, and you're just like. And that's why we were back at square one because it's because it's almost like the lesser it, it just outweighs the powerful sometimes because of I don't know if there's a stigma. I don't know if it's because sex has something to do with it or it's that whole. Oh, well, here's another woman using her body to get to the you know, I don't know what it is that. It, it just Hollywood is just tricky when it comes to certain things I, because you're right it's on what we cover and stuff but the problem is that we celebrate these things mm-hmm. like the Kardashians are world I mean Kim and Kanye are in France right now the paparazzi is loving it I mean they are following them everywhere they interviewed a guy and they said that like it's good for France because it's bringing in revenue <laughs> you know and for me I struggle with that because I'm like is society really is society really allowing a person like and I don't know Kim Kardashian I don't know what all she does I know their mothers are very successful businesswomen and she knows what she's doing but it's to me it's disappointing sometimes that someone like that could be adored in a way by certain fans because I have a little 12 year old sister you know at some point she's going to really know what Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton's of the world have really done online. And you don't ever want your 12-year-old sister thinking, well, you know, I don't think anyone ever thinks that's a good idea, but you don't ever want them thinking, hey, that's not a bad way to get some revenue into the bank accounts, you know what I'm saying? So Hollywood is just, it's just, it struggles with me. And I don't think it's a good representation for any community. And I don't think it's a good representation for what a lot of women are trying to achieve what Michelle Obama is trying to achieve, what, you know, Barbara Walters has achieved and what she's still going to try to achieve in Oprah Winfrey, because some of these women that are getting celebrated, you're just like, it's hard for you to respect them and what they've done. If, if that kind of, you know, if, if that kind of makes sense to you guys. I, my thing with that thing specifically with Kim Kardashian is just like, she's made the best out of a bad situation. Like, that whole sex tape thing, like, that was something that happened, and it got released, and I don't believe that that was a thing that they did on purpose. I think that was something that happened, and then they made the best out of a bad situation. She has done so much with just, like, being publicly embarrassed, you know what I mean? And, like, yes, she did have a 72-day marriage that was highly publicized and this, that, and the other, but I think... I don't have a problem with Kim Kardashian personally because 
I can't say that I would have done any of the thing. Like I would have had the wherewithal to be like, okay, this terrible thing has happened. Let me make the best of it. You know what I mean? So I think that's my that's my thing with Kim Kardashian. And like, yes, I mean the Kardashians are a ridiculous bunch, but like, I, I you have for me, I admire. Okay, I won't say admire, but I respect what like her business sense has become. Like you know, like she does all of these um promotions and photo shoots and all this stuff and like yeah that all came from this sex tape but you know like she's made the best out of a situation a lot of other people would have been um I want to stay I guess like you know like a lot of other people wouldn't have had done what she's done so I think I don't I don't disrespect her for that I respect her for that I think I think you make a good point because you know um, I don't keep up with the Kardashians, if you will. You know they're uh, no pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah, um, but you know I think you make a good point because when I think of the Kardashians, it's not what I think about. I don't think about a seventy-two day marriage. I don't think about mm-hmm. a sex tape. You know, and I, I I certainly know all of that. You know, and yeah. that's certainly in the back of my brain. But um, you know, in a sense, she owned that. Mm-hmm. You know, like she went with it and she went like Tommy Lee Jones on that and was like yeah so what and like moved on because I don't remember that being a huge deal it was like oh it was released okay what's the next story you know like they didn't dwell on it really she Mm -hmm. was like I have stuff to do who cares like it's gonna happen whatever you know and it's like they say like everybody has a sex tape now you know and um from from what I remember correct me if I'm wrong you know she you know they already had the reality tv show and she was she was already you know dating famous guys yeah they were already hustling before that exactly yeah i don't don't think they had the show though yet because kim kardashian was a a celebrity publicist before that sex tape came out you know her her best friend was because i knew she had something going for her before they had the paris hilton you know a lot of people do forget to but she wasn't as how can i say this it catapulted her into the spotlight yeah Mm -hmm. it wasn't like she wasn't no, she was just you know she was a celebrity publicist. Her mm-hmm. you know best friend was Paris Hilton. Now here's where I only disagree with some of the stuff that you're saying. I don't think Kim made the best of that situation. I think Chris Jenner made well, the best of that situation. Yeah, that's fair. I think Chris Jenner yeah. is one of the smartest businesswomen I think known to man. The things that she spins is unreal. I think she's great. But the only thing that I have a problem with is that I do think. And this is always going to be people's opinions. I think Kim released it on purpose. I don't think that's on accident. I think one, for, first of all, if you know males and females alike, or females and females, whatever you know it is, when you make a sex tape and you're famous that you don't think is going to get leaked, then you probably one of the dumbest people I think it I've, will I've get leaked. <laughs> you can be the least popular person on planet Earth out of 7 billion. If you make a sex tape, you have to know that there is some... At some point, it's going to get released. Someone will see it that is not supposed to. It will <laughs> happen. Like, let's be real. So like, I think... I think I don't, Now, I don't know if it was a savvy business move by her. Mm-hmm. I'll never know that because that's, you know, between her and Ray J or whatever. And let's not get it twisted. Ray J has done some things too now where he's in the limelight too he's making a little dough after the sex tape too and he's doing some funky things too i think i heard he donated the money that he made off the sex tape and he gave it to kim and kanye for their wedding gift <laughs> so that's kind of that's that's kind of funny uh but I don't like ray j <laughs> see and that and that's the thing though now i don't know if it's from the sex tape of mm-hmm. why you don't like ray j or I whatever don't like him. ray j but <laughs> uh 
you know, for Kim, I think I understand the point of she made the best of a bad opportunity. But at what point do you draw the line? Because, like I said, what? how do you tell young girls growing up that Kim Kardashian made a sex tape? Yeah, she owned it, but that's what pulled, you know, catapulted kind of her making millions and millions and millions of dollars now. At some point, there's got to be a fine line between saying, hey, this person made a sex tape. They're make, now they're a successful businesswoman, which I attribute to their mother wholeheartedly, you know. <laughs> I just struggle with it because I, I always think of my 12 year old sister it, it's different when you have a sister mm-hmm. you know like for me personally I had a little brother it was us uh, I'm three years old than him and then seven years later you know parents say hey we're having a baby mm-hmm. and it's a girl and so she's growing up and then you're thinking more and more about some of these things and you're just like oof Shouldn't have done that in high school. I kind of feel like having the Kardashians and, and Kim specifically, because I like Chloe and I like Courtney mm-hmm. and the younger girls are like pretty cool too. Um, you know, but I feel like Kim's kind of the worst of the bunch, you know, and I don't feel like there's anything specifically wrong with her, but she's probably the worst role model. But um, I feel like having Kim as a role model is the same as having Lil Wayne as a role model. Like, I mean, they're unrealistic perceptions. I mean, for any little boy or 12-year-old boy or man who legitimately uses Lil Wayne or any other, um, you know, person who, in my opinion, is a little bit ridiculous as far as, like, how they got to where they're going. Anybody who uses that as a role model, I mean, like, you can't, in my mind, like, you have to, like, pull your own weight, you know, like, yeah, Jay-Z sold drugs on the street, like, from wherever he's from in New York before he was, like, a super huge famous artist, and Lil Wayne, same thing, he, you know, was basically a criminal in New Orleans type thing, you know, there aren't very many famous people who didn't have to do something, air quotes, bad to get to where they were going, you know, but you just have to be realistic about it, you know, and I, I feel like for little sisters and for kids and stuff like that and for people that have those role models, I feel like we just need to be clear about, like, this is how they got there. It's a little bit frowned upon, you know, but, you know, I think I think it's just an educational aspect. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like we should have to hide it because I feel like if we hide that, you know, Kim largely has the spotlight because she had sex on tape and released it, Um, I feel like if we try to hide that and then someone discovers it later, then it would be like, ooh, I should do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they're discovering it. But if, you know, they just see what she's doing and they find out their own way to get there, I feel like that's a little bit healthier than them, like, discovering it on their own and then being like, ooh, let me do that. Because, you know, I I feel like we have to... You know, it's it's kind of a sex education thing. Mm -hmm. That's what I was about to say. It's a great teaching moment, great teaching tool. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you know you do make some good points that that's definitely things we shouldn't hide. Um, just like you know, um, you know Tiger Woods gets blasted for you know infidelity. I think it's also good that there's a healthy Kim Kardashian you know, that's out there. Paris Hilton, uh, some of these you know 
famous women that have have um, gone to the camera, <laughs> you know, with no clothes on. So uh, it's 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 fascinating. You know, it is fascinating. I think the Hollywood and celebrity culture has a lot to play on feminist issues, and I think it has a lot to play more than what people think. I think um, you know, I think Hollywood is Hollywood's under underrated when it comes to the effect that they have on certain people and why certain cultures are like that. Um, so you know, it's it's always it's always interesting talking about Hollywood and and some of these cultures. What <laughs> I don't what? Nothing. Oh, Monty has nothing to say. She's speechless. I'm not speechless. I, I caught her off guard. I don't have any other comments to make. I thought you were going to switch topics. Oh no, we're done. <laughs> oh. We're we're pretty much done. Okay, this is, I thought it was a pretty successful uh, first show talking about feminist issues and. And we'll be back to talk about more. We're definitely going to talk about inequality, double standards. We're going to talk about, um, you know, love and sex, you know, sex education. I think um, that's a big part of it, uh, the rape culture, contraceptives, things like that. And what's different between a male and, you know, and and a woman. Uh, we're going to talk about women of power. You know, we got to talk about Hillary Clinton and, of course, the first lady. Michelle Obama always got to give props to her um, and then obviously women how truly they are the minority and you know the LGBT community and black women and Hispanic women and and all sorts of things like that but before we get off you guys have any final thoughts before we get off the show no no I think I just the main thing with feminism is how you gonna say no and then go into a thought <laughs> you know what Otis never mind <laughs> she then. was mulling it over what, what were you gonna say I'm just saying the thing with feminism is that there's I think the most the main thing is that it's a misconception feminists don't hate men for the most part we're just it's equality it's not man hating that's all Okay. I agree. I agree. I think chauvinists and feminazis are in the same group and. Anybody that has an extreme view is is uh, kind of in that group as well, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I feel like we just all need to be happy and in the middle and reach the happy medium, and <laughs> that's our goal. Yeah. But, yeah. That was great. Like always for me, uh, you know, I think I do this with every ep- first episode, but seriously, these are some of the things, and even with the black perspective and I'm black, <laughs> you'll learn new things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're learning things every day and that's that's cool. Like the educational part that comes with these podcasts and getting people's opinions. And, you know, we're definitely going to put these on the tumblers and online and stuff. So if you're listening to it and you have a comment or you have something that you want to tell us, feel free to put it on our website at universitystar.com. Feel free to be on our Tumblr page and whatever social media that we're also going to put this on and give us your feedback. Give us on your take on feminism and the criticism analysis and Hollywood, how it plays a role in it and how it's uh, different for for just for just everyone. But uh, for Aubrey Iverson, for Monty McGarrell, I am Otis Sevagarl. And like I always say, I will see you next time. Bye.